Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 32 of the Mimi B Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Mimi Bouchard, and you're listening to the Mimi B Magazine podcast, a lifestyle podcast all on health, relationships, sex, career, and self-development. This podcast is designed to entertain, inspire, and to motivate you to become the best version of yourself possible. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey guys, make sure to check out part one of this series with Sahara Rose before listening into this episode, unless you want to be confused and just like not really understand Ayurvedic medicine. She gives a lowdown in part one, so highly suggest going to check that out. Both episodes are super valuable and you will learn so much. Thanks for listening. That would not be recommended for pittas. Um because I know I just have one coffee a day. It's really weak, but I know pittas love it. I mean, I just say like, if, if you don't want to change it and that's what you want to have, like go for it. What Ayurveda would say. And I have had friends who were like full on with the bulletproof coffee. And, um, he, one of my friends, his name's Nick Broadhurst. He has a podcast about this and he was realizing that he was just like snapping, like getting really angry and frustrated. Like he was like being very impatient with his kid and he'd, kind of realized like this is like not coming from myself and he realized it was because he was a pitta and he was drinking all this bulletproof coffee and basically following this like very keto diet which for pittas is gonna make you more pitta and more rajasic the rage the anger it was creating a pitta imbalance in him so though you may feel like wow this makes me feel more fiery and more on edge it's creating this imbalance because everything is going towards the fire side that eventually it's going to turn into a burnout adrenal fatigue um you know a lot of like adrenal fatigue is something that anyone could get tested for and a lot of pittas have i've i've had it too and i'm still healing from it but it's when you wake up and you go into this basically fight mode, your body only has a certain amount of energy reserves and you're taking excess energy from it. When you're drinking coffee, it's like you have this tank of gas and you're taking more right now. Well, that tank of gas isn't just going to refuel itself. It's, it's, it's taking out from somewhere. That's energy that your body could have spent healing itself self-nourishing itself, which is what most of our energy should be doing. So Ayurveda would definitely say, don't do the coffee. I say like, you know, do you, if, if you don't want to change it, you don't need to change it. Um, but there are so many other products out there, like adaptogenic coffees, which um, I know like the four sigmatic one, right? Well, the four sigmatic one has the coffee ones have coffee still in it. So I would say that is a good sort of like, um, maybe while you're transitioning and you still want some coffee in there, they have the mushrooms and the coffee. So it's more of like a lighter coffee. There's another company called Rasa, R-A-S-A coffee with a K and there's no actual coffee in it. It's all um, adaptogens, like 11 different adaptogens. And they do this like a 30 day like coffee. This is like not sponsored by them, but it's just really cool because I know a lot of coffee people um, have done that. And in 30 days you drink that and you no longer need the coffee anymore. I used to drink like four cups of coffee a day, by the way, I would be like drinking coffee at 11 PM and be like, this is, doesn't do anything for me. And now oh that I gosh. stopped drinking it, like even if there's coffee in like a smoothie, I'm like, this is too much for me because my body has become so much more sensitive, which is a good thing. So you can definitely change if you want to. 
Yeah, you know, listen, for the past, um, well, three weeks ago, I cut the coffee. I was only having one a day, really, maybe sometimes one in the afternoon. Um, That was pretty rare, though. So three weeks ago, I stopped drinking it completely. I was just like, I feel a bit too reliant on it. I kind of just want to experiment on my body and see. So I would just kind of switch to green tea for the two weeks. And then last week, I had a few early mornings. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to kind of half the dose. I make it at home. I put like half a tablespoon of, of, um, ground coffee and like put that in a lot of hot water. And it's like not even that dark, like it's so light, but I think I'm going to wean myself off because listen, like I, I, I don't like how like my, my brain is just really switched on in a bit of an aggressive way when I do have my coffee, but I, in a weird way, like how that feels like right after my That's morning coffee, pizza. I'm just yeah. like, let's go. I, I like, like it. Yeah. It's like, it's like, a, Oh, I know. Trust a, me. I, I loved it. Yeah. Like Adderall in a cup, but like, I don't take Adderall. So it, it's just like that instant boost. And it's like, let's go. You know what I mean? So it's, t- I'm literally going to DM Rasa coffee right now as we speak. I'm going to be like, Hey, I want to try your stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know, cause that whole like, let's go thing. If you want to like really look at it from a, a larger, deeper perspective, it's like, a lot of times us pittas, we evaluate our self-worth over how much we create, how much we do. So we want to always feel like I got so much done today. Woohoo. That means I'm a good person. That means I'm worthy of love. And it doesn't. You know, you are not as worthy as what you create and what you do and what you achieve. You are worthy even if you didn't do any of that. So the coffee is perpetuating the cycle of needing to get things done to feel valuable. And that's, I had to like take a total, you know, break off of even like reevaluating the work I was doing and the content I was doing. And what was that energy coming from? You know, I still write books and podcasts and all of these things, but it's coming from such a different energy than when it was when I had a pit imbalance. Hmm. Yeah. You know, it was, I need to do it. I got to do it. I know I have to, because it really does make me more calm. And and I've noticed because in my morning routine, I do a little meditation and I always have my coffee before my morning routine. And I do notice when I have my coffee, um, it, it, I'm not as deep in that meditation. And I'm just like, okay, I did it. Yay. I'm good. I did it for five minutes. Okay. On to the next. It's, it's not even deep meditation. I was just like right. doing it to get it done. Get you know done. what I mean? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. I and need to do have it, it. at least, at least do the meditation before. Cause you should never do a meditation after you've drank in coffee. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Okay. Very, very true. Um, so for the people listening that, that don't really know too much except for what they've just heard on Ayurvedic medicine, what are some other tools people can start doing in their day-to-day life that, that help kind of practice this? For me, I know that I do tongue scraping every morning and I've just gotten my boyfriend on it and I love it because it's so gross seeing what comes off. (laughs) I know it's addicting. Like once you start tongue scraping, you're like, how did I not do this earlier? It's so life-changing. I know it is. So for everyone that's, that doesn't know what that is, um, do you want to give them a little lowdown on tongue scraping? Yeah. So tongue scraping is essentially, it's this U-shaped device, a tongue scraper, um, and it helps remove the excess, what we call ama, meaning toxins from your tongue. So when you look at your tongue, you can look at your tongue in the mirror right now, there's probably white stuff coated on it. And this is essentially a reflection of the mucus that's in our gastrointestinal tract. So your tongue is a reflection of what's going on inside your body. So if you have a lot of mucus on your tongue, then you have a lot of mucus bacteria built up 
in your body. Now, why does this matter? Well, first of all, it's the most important thing for fresh fresh breath, much more important even than brushing your teeth because your tongue is where all the bacteria is. But the deeper reason is because it helps with your digestion. Um, your tongue is where digestion starts. The moment you put food in your mouth, your tongue has little receptors that are seeing what the food is, what are the micronutrients in the food, and signaling your body what digestive enzymes you need to break it down. So they're like, okay, this is carbs. We need amylase. And um, it's basically a a system of response, right? So it's preparing your body to digest the foods that you are eating. Now, when your tongue is coated in this white stuff, in the ama, the mucus, your tongue is not able to really assess what the foods you're eating. So it's just sort of not sure. It's like as if there's like a, a blockade around around your tongue receptors and the food. So then the food just goes through your system and wouldn't have the correct environment needed for digestion had you tongue scraped and then your body would have known better. So it really helps with digestion too. And you're able to see what dosha is out of balance from your tongue. So like this is like a longer conversation. I have a whole podcast episode on on tongue analysis if people want to listen to that. But um, pretty much if you have a very red tip on your tongue, like we naturally do have red tips of our tongue, but if it's very, very red, it's a pit imbalance. If you have a lot of cracks on your tongue or one big, deep crack, vata imbalance. If your tongue has a lot of white stuff and just coating all over, it's a cough imbalance. So creating that conversation with your tongue, checking your tongue every day is very, very important because it allows you to see like, okay, my tongue is really white today. I must have eaten something yesterday that didn't digest well. Oh, my tongue's looking really good. I must be on, on point right now. So it's this really good like crystal ball of what's going on in your health. So interesting. Um, last I checked this morning, <laughs> my tongue is just all pinky red. There's no whiteness. Um, little cracks, not no big cracks, just like little cracks. And it's not like discolored. What would that mean? Yeah, it sounds like you have a good tongue. Oh, great. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I'm so happy. (laughs) So just, I I know I'm a pitta, but I just want to go back to like, how do I, if I have a good tongue and it shows everything's kind of fine, how do I get rid of my rosacea? How do I, like, I feel like there's something I should be doing. Well, so your tongue is going to tell you if there's a massive imbalance. Like there could be smaller things wrong. Um, if, that your tongue is not showing. And also take a look at how red the tip of your tongue is. I don't know if I have a mirror in front of you now. I have a guess that your red, your tongue is pretty red on the tip, which is the excess. All right, let me look. If you're having rosacea, most likely it's pretty red. I'm just on Snapchat looking. <laughs> um, all right, let's look. Yeah, it's a little bit red. It's not like noticeably red. Like when I look at it, it's a bit more red than the rest of my tongue, but it's not like really noticeable. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so then you don't have like the worst pits in balance ever, but there's definitely more heat in your system, which you've already been able to tell. And the rosacea is going to be a reflection of that. So I would take out the coffee. I think that is like one big thing that will make a really Mm -hmm. big difference. Taking out the coffee and do you eat a lot of spicy foods? My boyfriend loves spicy foods. I like it. I'm not obsessed with it. But, you know, for example, last night I made us a homemade uh, vegan curry and the sauce like had some spice and some chilies in it because he loves it. But yeah, I I think I should probably cut that out too, I guess. I would cut out the chilies. Like it's okay to do spices like ginger, uh, not garlic so much, but like 
Like curry powder, is that okay? Um, Curry powder is fine as long as it's not like spicy, but I definitely wouldn't do like chili and cayenne peppers, like things that are actually mm. like hot. You don't want that. And do you do a lot mm-hmm. of tomatoes? I do love tomatoes. I don't eat them every single day, but... I, I love them. I'm a, I love, I love tomatoes. I know that's your pitta. Um, I would take out the tomatoes. I think that would help at least lessen so them. Nightshade? Like even eggplant and zucchini. Personally, I did and I feel a lot better, but I didn't, okay. I didn't do it cold. I didn't do it overnight because I used to love eggplant. And honestly, now that I don't have it, I, I have zero craving for it. Like if there are tomatoes on a salad, like I will go out of my way to pick them out because I'm actually even oh repulsed God. by it now. Whereas I used to eat tomatoes, I would like eat tomatoes like apples before. So your body can change a lot. It really only takes about 21 days for your entire taste buds to completely change. So taking it out is Like I think of it like a pendulum shifting in two directions. One side is balanced. The other side is imbalanced, out of balance. So the more out of balance you are, the more you crave the foods that bring you out of balance. So the pizzas crave the tomatoes, spicy foods, garlic, onion. The kaffas crave the dairy, the comfort foods. The vatas crave the raw and granola bars and that kind of thing. But then when you have to make the shift. And at first, that shift can feel like a little difficult and hard because you're so used to eating that way. But once you've made that shift, which really does not take that much time, then you start to crave the foods that bring you into balance. So you're going to be like, oh, I just really want some coconut water. Or like, I really just want some berries and I really want just some cilantro and parsley and and leafy greens. That's going to be what you want. And you're going to be repulsed by these foods very soon. Okay. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Yeah. (laughs) Give us a one one. I am doing it. Oh my God. Amazing. Okay, great. Cause I think, yeah, at the end of the day, I, I do definitely suffer with inflammation and that's why sometimes my face is red and my rosacea is red. I feel like when I'm being really clean and I'm not, you know, I'm just having very simple meals, my face isn't as red and my rosacea is definitely down. So that's good. Um, also, I've kind of cut down a little bit on the hit classes. I do love those, but I'm doing running now. What do you think about that for pittas? Like no, no crazy you know, sprints, just like more long distance, chilled, more meditative running, I'd like to say. Yeah. I think if it's like long distance, chill, meditative, um, that's good. I would test if you have adrenal fatigue. Um, it's something that you can test with a cortisol test. It's a spit. You get these vials and you spit in it five times in a day, like when you wake up and then every few hours. And it basically sees where your cortisol, where your stress hormone is throughout the day. So a lot of pizza people, um, you wake up and your cortisol levels are, what it should look like is your cortisol is the highest in the morning. And then it kind of goes down, down, down until the end of the day, it's like nothing. But most pitta people in the morning, it's less high. It's a little lower than it should be. And that's why you want coffee or stimulants or to do something really crazy to get your energy levels up. And then at nighttime, it starts to go up again. So it's more of this like bell curve. And that's a sign that you have um, adrenal issues. So if you have adrenal issues, then you actually want to even take a break from running. You just want to really help your body get back into a state of balance. And then once you're balanced again, then you can begin things like really slow, easy running. But like, for example, when I was going through my adrenal fatigue that first month, I literally just did like not even a yoga class, like a vinyasa class. Like I just did yoga at home on my mat, which I was like dying over because I was like 
a boxer and spinning and like the most, I was like, I want someone to scream at me. And I like, that's a good workout. Mm. And I had to totally shift. And I was so scared that I would gain weight. I actually lost more weight than I ever had because my body wasn't in such a state of stress. Cause when your body's in stress, because when your body's in stress, it holds on to all the fat, especially in your midsection. I was like gaining. So it was when my book came out um, last year and I was gaining so much weight in my midsection. So I was working out harder than ever and then gaining more weight. And I was like, what is wrong with me? And then when I only did the yoga for a month, I started to lose weight in my midsection. And then I just did Pilates reformer for like six months. That's it. Like not even a, like there were pregnant people in the class with me, like not an intense class. And that helped rebuild my adrenals. And then I got them tested again. I still have some level, like it's not the adrenal fatigue. Now they're just overworked, which is actually a step up from adrenal fatigue, but I still can't go back to those hit classes. So it's kind of like a year long, at least process to help heal, but it will help you lose weight. This is insane. This is revolutionary because I've been taught my entire life that to lose weight, you I have a trainer and he's like, you know, yeah, we're going to run three days a week. We're going to do personal training two days a week. Like I'm very motivated because in the past year, since I've kind of been on this health journey, I've lost 10 pounds of fat and I'm quite like, I'm a small girl. I, I was never like big or whatever. I just like had you know, some fat on me to lose. I wasn't super toned and I'm quite short. I'm five one. So like it shows on me. <laughs> so I have like maybe another five to 10 to lose for me to feel my best. And, um, you know, I want to experience that ultimate body. So I've been trying to do all these things this past year to get there. I think doing a higher fat diet and lower carb has really helped me, but I'm, I'm at this point now where I'm like, okay, I've been at the same place now for, a few months, like I kind of reached that point of, of looking down the scale and losing 10 pounds of fat. But that was like four, four months ago. Like what's the next step? Cause I'm still doing what I was doing. And I think, you know, I I've turned to running now a little bit more because I was doing a lot of those intense hit classes and personal training sessions and more weights and stuff. And then I, I feel like I just need to kind of, you know, shed that fat off. So that's why I'm running now. But would you suggest that I kind of cut that off as well and just work on my cortisol levels and my stress? I would first test yourself for adrenal fatigue. Get the test done. You can go to a functional medicine doctor. There's different labs like Genova Diagnostics. Get tested for that first. If you don't have adrenal fatigue, keep keep doing what you're doing and it's working. If you have adrenal fatigue, that's when you have to really shift the lifestyle. So let me know. I can help you out. Okay, I definitely will for sure. My goal is by like, February, I want to just like be where I want to be because it's been like a long process, you know, like a lot of people think losing weight, it just you can do it all in three months. And you can if you have like 10 pounds to lose or whatever, but it's not really sustainable. And like, it's been such a journey. So yeah, I'm I'm definitely gonna chat to you because I, I really want to learn more about this type of medicine. And, and I actually want to find an Ayurvedic doctor here in London to go to because it's obviously really changed your life and I want to experience the same kind of changes. Totally. Yeah. And like also know that, you know, these trainers, like they have the best intention, but I, like I studied sports nutrition and what you're taught is like basically seeing the body as a machine, like, okay, these are how many calories are going in and this is how much is coming out. So 
just change it like this and, and change your macros to fit this standard ratio that everyone should have. And it's not looking at the individual. They're just not, they're just not taught about that. So um, I wouldn't just get your health information just from your trainer. I would, I would definitely visit the Ayurvedic practitioner, like read my book, the idiot's guide to Ayurveda um, and just start learning for yourself and trying different things and know that it's not, it's not as simple as calories in, calories out. Mm, absolutely. And I know that, like, I don't just listen to one person for health advice. I've done so much research in the past year. I listened to so many different podcasts. I even like when I first started going more keto, I would look up, you know, reasons why keto is bad. And like, I want to see every argument so I can kind of make up my own um, opinion on it. So that's always been my type of deal. Like I really want to research, research, and then make the decision for myself. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, I'm ready for like a next step. Like I want to, I want to just really delve into it even more now. And and I think that would be such a great thing to to go, to go look at yes. an Ayurvedic doctor and also in London. Keep in mind that women's bodies are different than men's bodies. You know, men operate on a 24-hour circadian rhythm cycle. So for them, intermittent fasting works because their bodies are the same every morning. Whereas for us, we operate on this 28 to 32-day cycle, our menstrual cycle. So we're actually totally different beings from one week to the next. So we can't just follow what this guy, what Mark Sisson, what Dave Asprey, what these guys are doing that are working for the guys. Um, it's really important to see what other women that you look up to are doing for their bodies and how that's working for them because we literally are like two different creatures. Yeah. So I actually do the intermittent fasting, but if I'm hungry, like it's the kind of intermittent fasting that I listen to my body. I'm not like, no, I'm not going to eat until one because it's 16 hours. No, if I'm hungry at 10 a.m. and I ate the night before at like eight and I listen to my body and I'll eat a smoothie or I'll eat something. And that's kind of what I've been trying to really do. I've just been this whole journey for me. I just want to be in tune with my body. I want to be like the most like pure version of myself. I want to feed myself incredible foods and I want to heal myself. And, you know, I want to feel my absolute best mentally and physically. And you know what, this is actually what, why I started the podcast. You know, I have an online magazine and it's all about living your best life. Um, it's a lifestyle magazine for women, but I wanted to have a platform where I could like talk to people and interview people about all the topics that I'm really interested in, um, you know, that have to do with living your best life as well to get other opinions and not just mine. So I think, yeah, this journey has been, been long, but it's not done yet. Like I really just want to get to that point where I'm like, okay, I think I've kind of gotten gotten it figured out now. And I'm, I, this is exactly, you know, where I think I should be going with my life, like how I want to feel and, and whatnot. So this has been such an interesting convo. I have a few more questions just because like, I'm obsessed with this whole thing. Yeah. Um, what other, so what are like the basics of Ayurvedic nutrition? And, and no, you know what, what are the basics from, of Ayurvedic medicine as a whole. We are talking about, you know, your three different um, potential personalities, Pitta, Kapha, Vata, and how you should eat accordingly. What are some other things that the listeners right now could do to change their life for the better with this kind of medicine? Yeah. So um, 
I mean, Ayurveda has so many topics, like the doshas are really just the entry point, but I would say know about your dosha, know about the six tastes, make sure you're eating those every day, learn about the digestive system and looking at it as a fire. So the warming foods, stimulating the digestive fire, keeping that fire going on throughout the day, Um, drinking warm teas throughout the day, spices, things that will keep that fire going. Um, Learning about the seasons and how the seasons shift, what we need to be eating. Summer is pitta season, fall is vata season, uh, winter and beginning of spring are kapha season. So knowing that your diet will shift with that. Knowing that it shifts with the time of day, we have 24-hour cycles related to the doshas. So um, 6 to 10 a.m. is kapha time. It's the time that we're waking up. 10 to 2 p.m. is pitta time. It's the time we're getting things done. So it's the best time of the day to like schedule your tasks and to eat your biggest meal. Um, 2 to 6 p.m. is Vata time. That's the best time of the day to get creative, to do your long-term vision boarding stuff. Um, 6 to 10 p.m., again, now the sun is setting, so it's the Kapha time, time to do self-care, rituals, practices, and um, sleep hopefully by 10. 10 to 2 a.m. is Pitta time again. And that's when you got your second wind of energy if you're still awake. And um, this is actually when you could get your most restorative sleep. And then 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. again is Vata time. So it's like this, this cycle that repeats like Kapha, Pitta, Vata, and then repeats again. Um, so knowing that, scheduling your day with the doshas is very, very powerful because then you can put your tasks that you need to do, your productive tasks, your creative tasks, et cetera, when your the dosha of the day is going to like help steer you in that direction. So really powerful, not just for digestion, but also for lifestyle. The chakra system comes from Ayurveda. So the, the energy centers within the body, the kosha system comes from Ayurveda, which are essentially um, layers outside of the body. Like when you get a hunch or an intuition about something and then that manifests into an illness or someone cheating on you or something. It's like these layers that you're feeling from the outside. So there, it's like this entire like delicious book of knowledge that I am. I get so excited about, even though I've been doing this for like seven years, because it really helps you understand everything in your life in a deeper way. Amazing. That's great. And what about some things that aren't nutrition based? Like we just spoke about the tongue scraping. Are there any other cool Ayurvedic practices that you do daily? Um, yeah, there's there's oil pulling, which is basically Ayurvedic mouthwash to use oil in your mouth, swish it around your mouth to re- release toxins. Um, there's dry brushing, which is a practice of using a dry loofah brush to brush off um, dead skin cells from your body. And that also helps with, mm. with opening up your pores. So then you can do a bhyanga, which is self-oil massage, and then the pores can um, the oil can get into your pores in a deeper way had you not dry brushed. So, um, so many different Ayurvedic self care practices. There's a panchakarma, which is an experience that you go to a detox retreat, essentially, where you're they're doing all of these different treatments on you and you're following a, a Kitri cleanse diet and um, you're in silence for one of the days and it's very rebalancing physically, mentally, spiritually. They recommend doing it um, every season, but you know, most people are not going to do it every season, but 
it's something cool to experience um, at one point in your life. And yeah, in, in Ayurveda, you know, food is only one fifth of your overall health. So we focus so much on the food, but your relationships and your environment and your lifestyle and your stress levels, all of these things are all going to play a really big factor and purpose above all having a purpose, having an end goal, like seeing your body as this experience that you were meant to live this lifetime in. And when you can see like, wow, I was gifted this home and this home is meant to to take me where I need to go for my highest involvement, it takes you out of this like stressing and worrying about your body and what it looks like and this and that. And it makes you realize like, wow, I was put on this earth for a reason. And when you focus on that reason, you go to such far places. I mean, I never would have imagined I would have been a best-selling author and had like two forwards by Deepak Chopra. I literally would have never imagined this, but it just came from, you know, following the breadcrumbs of of my purpose, of my direction. And that comes from learning about your cues and getting silent. So all of these things are connected, but the bigger reason why is not so you can be the healthiest person on the planet and like get a gold star or have a six pack. It's so you can fulfill your purpose. Yeah. You literally couldn't have said it better. It's so true. And and when you start with your health and yourself, then you can affect the world in really positive ways and you can influence people and and do what you're supposed to do. I've always noticed that when when I used to not eat as well and not take care of my body as well, I just didn't have that motivation. I just felt like dull and just blah, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. The, we, we nourish our bodies because it's the fuel that we put in our car that gets us to where we need to be going. And, and that's all it is. It's fuel in our car. Yeah, absolutely. But I do notice sometimes when I'm a bit off or a bit more stressed, my cortisol levels are a bit higher. Like so there are some things that aren't working. Like I definitely notice in my digestion, um, like I'll get like an imbalance in my body. Um, even like when I was really stressed at the beginning of the year, I'd get like reoccurring like yeast infections because it was like there was so much stress in my body and it was horrendous. Um, but, you know, like in the doctors, I, I would go to the, the doctors and they would just hand me so many meds mm-hmm. and I was like, there must be another way. So like, and I'm still, they put me on like a six month, um, it was about six months ago actually. Um, or yeah, it started six months ago, but they put me on a six month, um, program that I was taking one pill every week for six months, um, just to kind of get that like imbalance out of my body. And I'm just like, I'm still doing it. And it's so annoying because I feel like there's some other way, but like, I don't know what it is. What would you say to that? Like, I know this is just a personal problem, but I'm so curious to know what you think about that. Um, just about like yeast infections in general or. Yeah. Yeah, like just imbalances. Yeah, so I used to get reoccurring yeast infections also, and it was when I was on birth control. So, if you are you on birth control or have you been on birth control? So I have the arm, you know, the arm implant. It's like a little metal bar. Mm-hmm. Do you know what that is? Um, yeah, does yeah, it so, have hormones in it? Yeah, but it's like the least amount of hormones as a birth control. I used to have the IUD, which is a little bit higher in hormones. Um. And I got it taken out when this started happening because I thought it was because of that. And I thought it was just because it was local and there. So then I got the arm implant. Do you think it's that shit? Yeah, I would say I was also on like the lowest hormone one, but it's still um, 
it still is synthetic hormones going into your body, which will throw off your natural pH balance. I would look into getting a thermometer, like a daisy thermometer. That's what I use. Um, There's a great book called Fertility Awareness Method, and it's about tracking your cycle. And through tracking your cycle, you're able to see when you're actually ovulating and when you're not. Um, And then you don't need to rely on any birth control method. It's like 99.9% effective, more effective than birth control, and really gets you in touch with your body too. Really? Um, a good friend of mine just got pregnant because she has the natural cycles app and I'm terrified of using it. I, I Is wouldn't, it different? I wouldn't just use an app. I would actually get a thermometer like a daisy that is tracking your temperature mm-hmm. to the like like two two decimals after the decimal mark. So it's very, very precise precision. And it's you have to actually use the thermometer for three months every day before they even tell you what days you're fertile and what days you're not, because that's how precise it is. So I wouldn't just like wing it on an app and like guess. I would I would use a in-depth thermometer um, that will track and it's also tr- like it shows you like diagrams. It's it's really in depth. Um, and with if you're following that correctly, it's basically impossible to get pregnant. Oh my God. Okay. This is revolutionary for me. How have you like been doing it for ages and you've never gotten pregnant? Yeah. I mean, I got a daisy like in February and I've been using it since then. It definitely was, it's, it's hard to remember because the first thing you have to do when you get up before you drink water, before you get out of bed is take your temperature. So there are so many times I would forget. And if you forget more than three days of the month, you have to like start all over again. Like that's how (laughs) intense it is. Um, But then once I got in the habit of like, okay, wake up, like when I'm still waking up, I'll just like stick the thermometer in my mouth. And yeah, I mean, I'm in, I'm engaged. Like we definitely have sex and haven't gotten pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I have a very sexually driven boyfriend as well. So I'm just like, how? Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's awesome yeah. because then I know I'm like, oh, wow, I'm ovulating. And, and I also use another app called MyFlow where I like input just more information about like what's going on in me. Um, so then I'm able to also tell what exercises I should be doing at that time. Like your most intense exercise should be when you're ovulating. And then when you're going into the luteal phase, that should be um, when you start to do more yin and slower exercise. When you're menstruating, you should not be exercising hard. But then when you're follicular phase, you should be exercising harder again. So I even do my exercise levels based off where I am hormonally. There's a book called Woman Code that explains that really well. Oh my God. I was told literally yesterday to buy that book. Apparently it's amazing. It's really good. Okay. I'm going to do this. Oh, this sucks. I just got the implant in. I need to like get it taken out now. I would, you know, it's a synthetic hormone and your body, I, I was like every month getting those yeast infections. And the moment that I got off birth control and like detoxed myself from those hormones, I've never had one since. Oh my God. It's so that. And I think the stress just like triggered it Mm -hmm. because I went through a lot of stress like six months ago with this project I was working on and it just like was reoccurring for so long. And now I'm on these meds and obviously hasn't come back because the meds are so, you know, invasive and, and harmful and powerful, but it's like a bright blue pill once a week. I'm like, Oh, like I eat so healthy. I treat myself so well. I eat organic everything. Like really Mimi? Like I, I'm eating, I'm taking this pill every week. It's probably just like reversing all of the effort I'm putting in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's hard because our doctors basically like force us to get on some form of birth control and there's a lot of like fear tactics used. Um, but if you mm. really knew the truth about how your menstrual cycle worked, you would look at your body in such a different way. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're so right. I, I got to 
talk to Ben about this. <laughs> He's like, come on, it's great. We don't need to use condoms. And I'm just like, yeah, but like hormones. Right. And and also hormones, when you're hormones. when you're using the FAM method, you don't need to use condoms either as long as neither of you have um, STDs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, okay. All right. Good to know. Um, what about like talking about sex quickly? What about somebody that like is having trouble getting turned on in bed, like women with like, low you know, issues. Yeah. Low libido. Yeah. What would you say about that? So that's a Vata imbalance also. Um, that's why it tends to happen when women um, like later on in life through menopause. So when that's happening, it basically means, I mean, there's, you could have a low libido physically, which would be a Vata imbalance. You could also have one mentally, like you just don't have time for sex or you don't feel beautiful. And that could be, you know, a coffin balance is because you feel like you're too fat or a pit imbalance is like, you just don't have time and you're like thinking about your to-do list. So that is not really low libido. That's just your own mental block. But the, the Vata imbalance is the actual, like you're not able to get wet. Sex is painful for you. You can't get turned on. You can't orgasm. So again, that's excess dryness. You need more grounding, more warmth, more healthy fats. Um, Doing practices that bring up your Shakti, the feminine energy, like doing like hip circles and um, belly dancing and uh, learning more about Tantra. I love reading books by David Data. He's a wonderful author on this topic of polarity and um, sensuality. I'm reading another book called Come As You Are. um, And that's all about the female orgasm and how that really works and how we're all capable of every type of orgasm. It's not like some girls are just multi-orgasmic and some aren't. Everyone is capable. It's just that we are oftentimes have um, different like breaks that are holding us back. So those breaks could be like, oh my God, I'm, I'm ugly or the kids are coming home or or it's weird if I come like this. So it, that's a good book to come as you are, but we are all capable of it. And if you're having vaginal dryness, there's a Vata imbalance happening. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. And gut issues is just if you're eating something a bit that that's not in in line with your pitta, kapha, or vata, right? Um, yes, or if you're just eating like a lot of dead foods, toxic foods, um, foods wrong time of day. If you're working like night shifts, a lot of people in night shifts since they're not eating during the daylight, they're having a tough time digesting. Um, so I have a whole chapter in Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda all about digestion and looks at the different digestive types and all the different types of imbalances that could be happening in your digestion offers suggestions on each one. So I recommend checking that out. Amazing. So wow, we've been going for like an hour and 20 minutes. I have had the best time. I'm learning so much. I'm so glad. Um, I, I can't keep you for longer though, because it's just getting ridiculous. So, <laughs> do you want to uh, tell the listeners about all of your books that are out and your socials and what you're currently doing? Yeah. So um, a good place to start is my website, IamSaharaRose.com. Take the dosha quiz. It's going to send you a free little three-day mini course, and that's going to share a lot with you. My book, Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda, is very good to just teach you everything about Ayurveda. If you're like, I just want to know more about this. And it's very easy to read and understand. And even if you're like, it's still over your head, you will become an Ayurveda expert from that book. It's available 
Amazon, Barnes Nobles, wherever you buy your books. And then my new book, Eat Feel Fresh, is more about my modern approach to Ayurveda, um, as well as lots of plant-based contemporary um, Ayurvedic recipes. So if you're like, what do I eat? I still want like exact guidelines. Get Eat Feel Fresh. Um, my podcast is called Highest Self Podcast. I have a lot of Ayurveda episodes, how to read your tongue, how your face has to do with your dosha, how your the size of your hips has to do with your dosha, like everything there is to know. And then a lot about spirituality and sex and entrepreneurship and different topics too. And my Instagram is at I am Sahara Rose. Um, if you heard me here on this podcast, shoot me a DM. I'd love to hear from you guys and know what was valuable for you and be of service in any way. And thank you so much for having me, Mimi. Oh my God. Thank you so, so much. That was perfect. You can tell that you're a podcaster. Few things. You brought your good mic. <laughs> Number one. Number two, you just have such a great, calming podcast voice and you just know what to say. I love it. I love it. I love it. So yeah, guys, make sure to go check her out. I will definitely be listening to her podcast. It's so up my alley and make sure to go check out her Insta. Thank you, Sahara. Thank you for having me.